Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This season is Two Seconds of Courage, and the guest today is someone that is completely wonderful and amazing, and you're gonna fall in love with her. It's Deborah Murtaugh. She is a ketogenic diet expert out of New Zealand, but she is far beyond just being a ketogenic diet expert. In this episode, we, of course, go through nutrition, and we talk about your body and the health and self-love and how they're absolutely interconnected in everything that you do, but we start to get into some of her personal stories and challenges with COVID and challenges with her daughter when she was growing up showing signs of uh, like autism, Asperger's and how she dealt with that. Really coming back to like her nutritional roots as uh, someone that helped a lot of people out of Christchurch before there were a tremendous amount of earthquakes and she had to move her entire family with a quarter million dollars in debt to a completely different side of the country, going through a divorce and all these crazy things that happened in her life we get into. But beyond that, we start to get into her, let's call it hero's journey, her heroine journey, right? Of coming to a place in her life where she just said no more of the trauma. And we talk about how she got past that and how she's building the world that she's in today in a completely new life with an eight-figure company. And she's just a serial entrepreneur. In the beginning of the episode, before we got filming, I called her like the Richard Branson of New Zealand. It's really astonishing what she's done today. And I think you're going to love the episode. So enjoy. Deborah got originally into this whole realm of like ketogenic diet research and figuring out like how to eat properly and how to get good nutrition in the system because of a story that she might tell today with her daughter and might catch us up with that whole thing. And as with a lot of people I found in like the fields that are changing the world, a lot of times it's motivated by either their own issues or their their parents and, and children. So really amazing story that hopefully we'll get into today but just so you know like a lot of this stems from that origin so um, i've got a bunch of questions here that we're going to get into later but some of the things i wanted to bring up are these quotes that i pulled from some interviews of yours Um, first one is our world is an outer expression of how we are treating ourselves inside so coming from someone who's like a ketogenic diet person and teaches metabolic flexibility which is essentially like you can run on carbs primarily but you can use everything or you can run on fat primarily in ketones but you could use everything the ability to switch between the two is like the golden goose of nutrition and that's a lot of i think what deborah teaches but we'll get into that today so this idea of mindset is very prevalent in the work that she does um, from the interviews I've watched and the podcasts I've listened to. And then here's a really, really great quote that kind of goes with that, which is she says, mind first and then the body and or the habits will follow. The physical food part of getting into this ketogenic switch is actually the easiest part of it. It's really the mind that she likes to focus on in the beginning and is much more challenging for some people. Um, I've got a a bunch of questions, but something that I noted, uh, wow, I've got a bunch of questions that are forming now too, but something else I noted that I actually want to ask you about immediately is it seems like a lot of your clients and a lot of the people that do your programs love this exercise that you give them at the very start, which is to write down 50 reasons why they want the outcome that that they're after. 
And you said in such a good way that I was like, oh, it's such a Deborah thing. She goes, and if 50 is too many, just do like three to five every morning for a couple weeks. And then, you know, just little by, it's like, she's got like such this like motherly nurturing idea and presence with all of the information. So can you tell me like, where did that idea come in or how did you learn that? And, and why is that such a fulcrum? That's a great question. And to, the honest answer is it evolved over time. And, you know, we're, we're taught, you know, when we're wanting to create a new reality or shift our mindset that we have to have a really compelling reason why. And, uh, you know, working with addiction, food addiction primarily for over 20 years, what I've noted is that people will give up uh, they'll give up everything in life. They'll give up their values, their dreams, their goals, their visions, everything that they think that they want and desire um, to avoid pain um, and to seek pleasure. And so we, we are trying to constantly fill values in our life. And we are subconsciously trying to fill these six primary values that we're trying to fill across the day. And everything that we do as humans is motivated by one or more or all of these human values. They're called uh, the six essential human needs psychology values. And so we will literally uh, desire one outcome, which may be, hey, I want to lose weight and I'll keep it off. And because the average person uh, diets for about 17 years of their life. 17 years of their life, which to me is just completely unacceptable uh, and, and does not need to be the case. Uh, but the reason for that in this yo-yo cycle that we get on, on, off, on, off, is that there's a number of things going on. But primarily what we're trying to do in life is just fill our needs. And so we will give up all of those dreams, all of those goals in order to achieve those needs. Uh, being met. Now, one of the issues that we have to look at then, well, how do we stack so much against the problem that we have that it becomes an essential and intrinsic motivation? So we have in psychology extrinsic motivations where I have to lose weight, you know, I don't feel good, um, my doctor's told me to lose weight, I don't feel sexy, all these things. But those are very much coming from an extrinsic uh, motiva motivating value where the world is telling us we need to look a certain way, we need to you know, be um, a certain size. And uh, they're not strong enough motivations. What we're really needing is to take things from extrinsic, what I call extrinsic motivation into in intrinsic inspiration where the fire in the, is ignited within and it, the desire offsets um, you know, the small mind uh, that's operating over the top of life sometimes. So the 50 reasons kind of came out of, well, write down 10 reasons why you want to lose weight and keep it off and master this. Hmm. What I noted is that those reasons, those top 10 were very, very similar. You know, 70% of them are very similar for every woman that is trying or, or person that's trying to lose weight or achieve or achieve any goal for that matter. Um, but in terms of weight loss, 70% of those things are very, very similar. Three may vary but they're all very surface reasons. And so then I'd say, write down another 10 reasons. So go to 20 reasons. So I started prescribing my clients 20 reasons why. And then I recognized, oh, they were going a little bit deeper here. And long story short, 50 ended up being the magic number. Over the many years of coaching, I recognized that actually the last five, when you write a, a list of 50, it really does ignite something really, really deep within. And what that is, is that humans are, are wired by nature to want to contribute 
Um, contribution is one of the six human needs and contribution beyond ourselves is one of the highest highest vibrational frequencies and motivation, motivating factors that we have as humans. And um, what I noted is when people were getting into those last, last five, so 45 to 50, the, the, the mindset shifts, something within their spirit and their consciousness shifted away from the physical body, they went through the mental body, they went through the emotional body, and they ended up in the spiritual body where they could see that there was a bigger purpose. Oh, I can lead the way, I can lead by example, um, I, can, I can be the best version of me, and that gives everyone else permission to do the same as well. So that was the magic number, it's really about mind, body, spirit. And, um, and our natural um, desire or, or the way we're programmed, I guess, in, in, this, um, in this world around us is to just look at weight loss as just being a physical thing. But actually, if we focus on it being physical, we will never master it. It has to actually become a spiritual desire, um, a self-love desire, and something that we're really just trying to become the best versions of ourselves in terms of mindset, and the body follows. So going back to your um, first quote there, we are on the outside a physical manifestation of everything that we think and feel on the inside. Um, I, I recognized that 30 years ago, and, and it's something that I've witnessed with, you know, I've had over 100, 150,000 women go through my programs now. It's something that I witnessed time and time again. Um, and, and as we shift the alchemy of who we are and the deepest sense of, of our spirit, then the physical body just takes care of itself. So we have weight loss completely back to front. We're approaching it through diet and nutrition. We're approaching it through exercise. We know that those things um, together do not offset each other. That's a big myth that you can exercise off a bad diet. Total myth. Um, but we're approaching it from the wrong way. Whereas, you know, often I'll say, look, if you can't handle making that switch and, and getting on the program, uh, which does incredible things. I mean, the ketones in the brain do incredible things to our consciousness and our nervous system. Uh, the, the benefits are enormous, but if people can't manage that, because of their, their addiction to their emotions, right? This is the big thing. We become addicted to our personality and addicted to our emotions. If we can't manage the diet, then we need to really scale it back and go, who are we? You know, and what, what emotions and cycles and patterns are we addicted to? What is the core belief in the program that I'm running that's preventing me from creating this physical manifestation on the outside? So it's really about going into the computer identifying where the viruses are, uh, removing that and plugging in new software, um, and and then, then the machine takes care of the rest. Beautiful. So if you had to guess, like I know this is a crazy question, but if you had to guess, how many pounds or kilos of weight have been lost in your groups over the years? Total, total number. Oh my gosh, I, I wish I had an answer for you. I know that every 30 days one dress size challenge we do, you know, we can have five to 10,000, sometimes more members in that group. And we run a tally at the end of that in just 30 days. And just within 30 days within those groups, it is tons and tons and tons. I, I couldn't even guess. It, 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 
it's enormous and, and what, what's so beautiful about the program is that you know we create this lifelong community and this incredible sisterhood and um, and and so we stay we, we're all together you know I've got 20,000 women in my VIP program uh, at the moment and this this connection between us all is incredible but what we're seeing is hey it's my one-year keto it's my one-year um, TKS anniversary um, it's my five-year anniversary for keeping this amount of weight off it's my two-year anniversary so um, we know that it's sustainable over time because we're changing from the inside out, not approaching it from the outside in. And um, and so that, that number that you're asking for is just growing literally by the day. So I couldn't even, I couldn't even, it would be hundreds if not thousands of tons. Wow. So then you mentioned something in your first bit there where you said small mind. So there's something about like a small mind and then what are what's the other thing? Can you explain that idea to me? Yeah, I mean we can go we can go kind of out to a bigger bigger picture here and the way that the way that I I view this um it's a little bit like we and this is one thing that I say say in my programs all the time we really have forgotten who we are. We've we've really forgotten what the purpose of life is and why we're here and this is why we have to kind of go a little bit global and then scale it back to what is it that we're trying to achieve. And we become disconnected. We we we're born in the state of self-love. We're born from we're born from the frequencies of heaven. We we come in here into this space body suit, admitting the frequency of the personality. And as soon as we're born, we into this human body, we develop an ego. And that ego, which I believe is the acronym for edging God out, we start moving away from kind of the mind of God or the, the essence of who we are on a soul level. And as we disconnect over time and we get caught up in the world and the way that we're programmed, you know, get married, um, have babies, you know, do all the, all the rules in life, we lose more and more and more of a sense of who we are and we begin to identify more and more and more with the external world. So we're losing this internal world, going to this external world where we have to be a certain way, act a certain way, we play all these roles. And that develops a very strong sense of ego. And so then as we develop over life, we and we no one escapes trauma and pain, we start packing on these layers of, of trauma and pain. And you know, I very much see with a lot of my clients that every five kilos is another pain body that they're stacking on. It's another trauma that they haven't resolved or dealt with. So energetically over time, we become so disconnected from who we are. And I, I recognized this probably 20 years ago in my clinic. I recognized that women and men, human beings, all of us, when we disconnect, we let ourselves go. We literally let ourselves go. The term, oh, I let myself go. I hear that all, all the time with my community. I just let myself go. I'm not quite sure what happened. I had babies, got married, went through stress. This grief happened and I let myself go. And what's happening is we're literally moving away from the essence of who we are on the deep, deep soul level. And we're coming out here and we, we're living this ego, which is like this binary mind where we're living in the chatter. And we've now identified as who we are as being the voices in our head and the chatter. So you walk past the pantry when you're on your diet and the biscuits are in there and they're saying, hey, come eat me, come eat me, come eat me, right? And then the, the, the other part of you, this essence, this spiritual side that just wants the best for you, that just loves you unconditionally, that will never quit on you, this inner coach side of you is going, no, 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 we're, we're doing this diet, we're finally nailing this. And this other part of you is going, oh, 
nobody will know, just have one, just have one, right? And so this dance and this internal dialogue between inner critic and inner coach starts happening in our consciousness. And, and generally the egoic side of us, the critic wins. And, and we might go and just have one biscuit or one handful of chips or whatever. But then it's like, oh, you've done it now. You've done it now. You may as well go and eat the rest. You know, go and have the rest. Oh, I've blown it. So we're programmed. I've blown my diet. I may as well start again on Monday. So we've, we have all these really strange rules that we've created around um, what we're supposed to do. But so where I'm coming from is, you know, what happens is this inner critic then turns, turns on who we are. So when we really understand mindset and we understand from a higher perspective who we are, that we are a soul having a, having a human experience and we learn to quieten this ego, egoic mind down through mindfulness practices, through meditation techniques, through just, uh, just getting it and learning, learning these things and practicing and experimenting and having our own experiences of tuning back into the essence of who we truly are on a, on a deep soul level, then we can quiet that ego down and to a place where it doesn't exist. And um, well, I mean, it, it will exist, it will come and go, but, but we, we can then make decisions that are healthy for us, that are, that are for, the, for our best interests, that, that are leading us towards the life that we truly want. And I really believe that it's, it's beyond just the physical body, food and, and diet and nutrition and, and our energy systems feed into every other area of life. You can't separate one, separate one part of your being from another. So your finances suffer, if you, you know, your career suffers, your relationships suffer if you're not feeling your best. So this is really about who am I? What is my big vision for my life? How do I, I, I get to the end of my life knowing that I overcame myself? Because I think one of the hugest things that we can do in life is conquer ourselves, right? We're here to conquer ourselves. We're here to overcome this egoic mind and, and the pain that we accumulate. And we're here to transform that and shift the frequency of that and, and evolve ourselves. That's, to me, the purpose of life. And so if, if food and food and nutrition and all of this stuff, it, it's all linked into it. it it's, all one, it's all one thing. It's beautiful. I don't know if you noticed, but when you got to the last 20 seconds of that beautiful monologue, the birds started chirping. Did you notice that? I can hear them out here. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I was like, wow. What interestingly awesome timing for that. <laughs> so let me ask you, what, uh, this is an ongoing process, right? Until the, the time that, that we leave uh, the planet, right? This is like an ever evolving thing. So what are the current like day-to-day -day challenges or evolutions that you're going through now? Myself, personally? Mm -hmm. um, well, that's a big question. <laughs> right now, I'm trying to get home to New Zealand. So I, um, I fell in love at the beginning of COVID uh, with a man from America, and he was uh, he was an architect. And he was flying out to New Zealand to look at some architectural projects with me. And lockdown was announced pretty much the day after he got on the plane and arrived. And so we ended up spending two months together in Queenstown. Um, uh, in lockdown, and that became a, um, a a long, long story. But long story short, we fell in love. And so, with our country, you know, and the borders being closed, I had to make a, a key decision. Uh, you know, if I want to see this man in the next few years, if I believe there's something here, um, I need to make some big, radical decisions right now. 
so I did. I put everything I owned in storage. I forgave up my home because looking at the immigration laws and the policies, we weren't allowed to keep two homes. So I literally put my entire house in storage and um, left my three children to come amicably and you know two grandchildren and one daughter in boarding school and then initially I was meant to come out for two to three months to, to come here get a relationship visa to take Eric back to New Zealand and um, long story short um, his passport had uh, expired we had a number of challenges and, and it's and then quarantining to get back into New Zealand took months for us to get a place so by the time I get home it would have been 10 or 11 months that I've been out here and it's been a really rough ride and uh, you know not only did I come from a country where we've got no COVID essentially and everything's free um, I've come into California where it's been pretty much you know lockdown a lot of restrictions so it's been challenging for me to kind of settle myself here I went through some really big emotional lessons in the first couple of months um, on a personal level and they they were they frightened me they came out of nowhere they were emotions that I'd never experienced before and the the, the primary mo emotion was guilt you know I'd left I'd left my family I'd left everything that was familiar and um, I came over here for a, a wonderful relationship you know I'm not not beating myself up about that uh, but it was it, this guilt kind of came out of nowhere and I was observing it going wow why are you not allowing yourself to feel pleasure why are you not allowing yourself to enjoy this process and over a couple of months I recognized that it was this this underlying sense of guilt so then I'm then as a, as a you know I've done a lot of work spiritually in my in my life and you know, I am someone that usually vibrates in the frequency of unconditional love. That's that's who I am. To find myself in LA where the energy was very dense and to vomp right back down into this really foreign, unknown feeling was an enormous opportunity for me to go through another layer of spiritual growth within myself, to come in and observe. And I'm a big believer, you know, I've, I've, had, a, I've had a full on, full noise life. I've gone through more trauma um, and life experiences than most people that I know of and um, I you know I got to this point a number of years ago where I really felt like I changed everything changed the timeline and everything was just going to be roses from now in now on and then I get boom there's another lesson layered on you so it was a really interesting opportunity for me to kind of really observe and up level to, the, to a new level but the gift in that and I'm a big, I'm a big believer in the gift in every single tragedy that goes on we have to look for the purpose we have to look for the meaning we cannot be a victim with anything so as far as I as me, that's how I feel personally so I'm not a victim in these feelings and this emotion so I really tuned in and explored the emotions of guilt and shame because I know that so many of my clients are carrying those emotions and those emotions are things that are blocking them from success who am I to be wonderful who am I to be slim and beautiful who am I to be the best version of myself you know we, we punish ourselves intrinsically so much as human beings so I saw that as a gift you know I had a couple of months kind of dwelling and then I woke up and I figured it out and then I decided to oh this is not this is not my frequency go back to the basics and um and 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 shift this out but the but with gratitude right gratitude is the secret to transformation wow okay
amazing and i feel like such a good representation of like what a lot of us went through but i can only imagine like as a mother as a grandmother right especially a new grandmother and like all of that and confronting that i'm just i'm just thankful well, that i'm not a new grandmother you are, you are. <laughs> not, not new, new. Not, not new, new. I'm not a what, is, what is yet. new can we Oh, you are, you, are you, you going, going to be? be? How am I confused out? about no, 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 this? No, 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 no. I can see why you might think that. My oldest daughter's a midwife and um, she's going to be having babies any moment, but not yet. Oh, got it. I, <laughs> for some you. reason, I thought I that was already a thing. <laughs> so then let me ask you, uh, if we go all the way back to when this began and you, you had a, a very young daughter, right? And she was showing signs of, I believe uh, the story is she was showing signs of autism, right? And you were really concerned and you weren't sure, you know, what was happening exactly. And you went down this method of like concocting like the best nutrient dense foods you could possibly find, right? And then and maybe went through some challenges with uh, her father and not completely supporting the nutrition and maybe like grandparents that weren't completely supporting it and everyone thinking you're a little crazy, right? Yes, so my, oh, someone just stood up. Um, yes, so my, uh, my middle daughter, Zoe, she's 21 now, and I'm pleased to say she's six foot and gorgeous. She's, she's a, um, a professional DJ and model and actress. When Zoe was 10 months old, I was introducing her to solid foods and feeding her and in her high chair she started having petite mal seizures so she was basically i was putting food into her stomach and her little brain would sh short function and um she'd steer off into space have a have a have a uh, petite mal seizure and it would take a, a number of minutes for her to kind of come back into the room her eyes would be staring and you you just knew that something had happened it was like her brain was short circuiting and I knew having, you know, trained in natural medicine um, and that was that was my career, that obviously what I was putting in her mouth was having an effect on her brain. So I became obsessed in understanding how the gut and brain are one and how food affects us uh, uh, cognitively and affects the brain and how instant that is. So as Zoe grew up, I became kind of a bit of an obsessed mum trying to find the ideal diet. Here I have this child that is showing signs of epilepsy. Uh, in her nature, she was a very withdrawn child. She wasn't really an eye contact baby. She wasn't a, a cuddly baby. You know, all signs of kind of Asperger's autism in that spectrum was kind of showing. Uh, and so by the time she was, um, about 18 months old, I'd managed to completely reverse her epilepsy and this beautiful baby start, this little personality started coming out. Um, and it's like the lights started going on. But during that time, I really adopted the principles primarily of the Western A. Price Foundation, um, which is all centered around very nutrient dense foods. And so in her early childhood, I focused on healing her gut understanding that she was obviously born with leaky gut syndrome um, what i was feeding her was having a big impact on her immune system a lot of inflammation that was affecting the brain so in her first few years i went about really deeply nourishing and healing her body and then as she started getting a little bit older um, i i really turned my attention toward the ketogenic diet and i was looking at the ketogenic diet in terms of weight loss i'd done some study and training in it but then I kind of connected the dots that, hey, in fact, last year, the ketogenic diet had its 100th anniversary as being the prescribed 
um, diet for epilepsy. It's one of the only diets in the world that's actually ever prescribed um, uh, by medical doctors and it is known to be extremely effective for children with epilepsy and in fact if you get a child with epilepsy onto a ketogenic diet um, as, as young as possible after a couple of years they basically are cured of their epilepsy, many of them. So it can completely reverse it. So this then started this whole kind of um, exploration down there. And then I guess by the time Zoe was seven or eight years old, she was primarily on a ketogenic diet. And if she would go off to the grandparents' place or you know, even as a young child, she was extremely sensitive to chemicals. Extreme, you know, I think, that, I think that these new, beautiful, high vibrational children coming in today are very, very, um, are sensitive to the chemicals in our foods and you know we're seeing that with a lot of children with their, with their dramatic increases in ADHD and um, you know behavioral issues uh, and attention issues um, I think a lot of it you I, I saw in one of the podcasts that you did you mentioned something that I hadn't heard before but it makes complete sense you said something like our let's say our great-grandfathers like my great-grandfather right had completely normal like normal nutrition right extremely active uh didn't really have like the luxury of time to like do random things so it was very like on purpose because survival was a big thing and then his son had like a little bit more free time a little bit more free money ate a little bit worse and then his son had like a lot more of those things and had fast food and had candy like a lot of it right and like ice cream parlors and then we, like my generation, gets way more of that. And then the next generation, so, and you were saying something essentially like, maybe there's like this passed down, let's call it buildup of, of toxins, toxicants, right? And like a, a diminishing of our resilience in many different ways because of like generations of this stuff, which is part of the reason why maybe Right. I don't know if you've studied this or researched this, but part of the reason maybe these new generations are having more and more issues is, is not because of like they necessarily did everything wrong, but like we did it for so many generations. What it comes down to is our diet has evolved so much since the 1930s when the first supermarket opened. Um, you know, we went from hunter-gatherers and growing our own food and trading food and, and going to farmers markets uh, to supermarkets and the whole industrialization of foods. And our body should, should in theory, evolve to that over a million years. But we've done it in 150. And so all of these bombardment of the thousands of chemicals uh, that are coming into the body now and gen genetically modified organisms that are really, you know, having deep impacts on the body. Uh, all the chemicals that are used in agriculture, uh, the, the pesticide residues, the herbicide residues, the environmental toxins even within our home, all of these things are creating an, an intense burden on the body. And in, in classical homeopathy, they refer to something called miasm. miasm. So a miasm is a taint pollution or defilement that is passed down the generations. And so what a grandparent may have tolerated, um, the next generation is, becomes more sensitive to it. And so by the time we introduce something like a new diet to the third, fourth generation, we're really starting to see the genetic effects. So there's a lot at play here. You know, we really delve into epigenetics and consciousness and how is this all fitting together. But, but ultimately, it is the dramatic shift and change in our food and nutrition that, that children born today are just, they're just, we, we have not 
given ourselves enough evolutionary time to be able to um, to cope with these um, these adaptions. But what's fascinating though is that if we do go back to our original diets, we can reverse it just as fast. And this is what I'm passionate about. I mean, Zoe grew up. I mean, she's an incredible cook now. She cooks like she's a keto cook from like crazy cook. She literally grew up in the kitchen with me. I was looking at, you know, my kitchen was a science experiment. I had bubbling water kefirs and kombuchas, you know, 20 years ago before it was trendy and um, and all different sauerkrauts and kimchi. And I used to ferment tomato sauce and you know, all these different things for her to put the probiotics back into her, her body. So another factor here is that it, chemicals in our environment and agricultural sprays has really diminished the natural microbiome that, that we have, that we are in the sea of bacteria. The bacteria in our body outweigh us 10 to one. We are more bacteria than we are human if you look at it from that paradigm, right? We know that the bacteria do something called quorum sensing, which is how they communicate through a chemical messaging system. So once you have enough of the right bacteria, it's like a light bulb goes off and all these all these little tiny, tiny bacterium start working together in a symbiotic um, symphony. Um, so they, they refer to the microbiome as the forgotten organ. And it really is the biggest organ in our body is our bacteria, our, our yeast, our, um, we have healthy yeast, we have healthy parasites. We are an ecology within ourselves. We, are, we have a universe inside. In fact, each cell has its own consciousness, its own digestive system, its own um, um, preferences to even emotions. So there's this magic within our bodies. And I think that what we've done with Newtonian physics and the way that we've been programmed with Western societies, we've gone away from what our ancestors knew, which was actually their diet was was the perfect diet, you know, many of them, right? We're going back hundreds of years ago. And, and it doesn't matter what region you are in the world or what the, how the diets vary. All of our ancestors knew that they used to ferment food before refrigeration. Well, what does fermentation do? Fermentation stimulates healthy bacteria, which creates body ecology. So we've, we've kind of, in the modern world, stripped away um, so many of the, the, the things that, that have connected us to nature um, that have protected our immune systems, which is why cancers and metabolic diseases are going through the roof right now. Um, you know, there's this myth, a skip that I hear all the time, oh, but we're living longer, we're living longer, drugs have saved us. That's an actual myth. Actually, today, children born today are going to be the first generation of children that have a shorter life expectancy than their grandparents. So the age gap, the age curve is now going like this. So we're not we're not living longer, we're dying longer. The average 50 year old is on at least two medications. We're dying longer, that's not a quality of life. And the more we move away from nature, the more, the more we experience ill health. So really nutrition and, um, and, and really looking after the building blocks of our body has to be a combination of what we think, what we feel, and the building blocks and proteins that we put into our bodies. Wow. So, you know, what's really fascinating to me about you when we get into all this nutrition stuff, and I, I've seen this in many different people over the years, but particularly in you and what I've noticed is there's the nutrition side of you, but there's also many other aspects of you. And the next aspect I kind of want to like ask you about is 
you seem to have applied, and, and this just amazes me, the same way that you help people with their ketogenic switch, with learning things about their nutrition, uh, bringing that mindfulness to their body, really starting to like live through uh, like their positive soul voice is if what you will, you know what you said earlier, the, the nice consciousness and not the egoic side. You seem to have also applied these goal setting things and this ability to, to really change in business. So my question for you is, when did that switch happen? Like, when did you make this big switch in business? Because I know you were obviously like, a, you know, worked with the research team and you did coaching and stuff for a long time, but now you've seemed to gone to an entirely different level. And of course, there were many years that you were working before you were like, you know what, I really want to like affect millions and millions of women's lives, if not billions, right? What happened? I think it's a progression. Uh, when I was 16, I was really overweight and um, I had a single mother growing up and um, I went through, I think looking back, I went through quite severe depression as a 16 year old and I really didn't love myself. I didn't even really necessarily like myself. And I remember one night in particular, which was a, a really defining moment in my life. I was, I used to go to bed two hours early just so that I could cry myself to sleep and this went on for a couple of years and nobody knew there was no word for depression back then there was no language for it and I'd go to bed and I'd roll up into a ball in fetal position and I'd just cry so that was a lot to do with my my childhood the first seven years of my life was spent uh, much of it hiding under a bed with my sister because my father was a violent alcoholic um, and um, once my mother left him when I was seven years old, he, he ran away to Australia and had nothing to do with us. So I was, you know, I was an abandoned child and, and that carried some wound, wounds through um, amongst other things. I went through sexual abuse as well as a, as a young teenager. And so these, these wounds all started accumulating into just deep, deep despair and an incredible, intense um, depression. And I, I liken depression, anyone that's really suffered with it, it's like a black hole. It's a vortex of a black hole. And it just, you feel like you're just spinning down and down and down into this, to this drain, into this, the depth of, of darkness. And I remember one night just begging, I used to beg God to just take me, to just take me, take me, take me. And, you know, I was trying to figure out how am I going to kill myself? But, you know, is it going to be painful? And, you know, I was really at this place. And, and this one night, I was praying to God. I was literally praying, just take me. I want to die. I want to die. I want to die. And that was my mantra. And I was going down into this vortex. And then, then a miracle happened. And right at the bottom of the vortex, and I cry every time I say this because it's, 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 it was the moment that I felt like my life was saved. There was this tiny little pinhead of white light at the bottom of that vortex. It was like I was looking down and right down and right down at the bottom was this little pinhead of white light. And in that moment, right in that moment, I just felt the grace of God grab me by the scruff of my neck and rip me out of that vortex, rip me out of that hole and say to me, the mantra, mantra in my, just told me, you're here for a purpose, you're here for a reason. And the mantra changed, there's got from I want to die to there's got to be more to life than this. And so my quest as a 16-year-old, that was my first massive, dramatic, radical spiritual awakening. And I'm so lucky that I had that experience at that stage of my life. 
because in that moment something something fueled me that I knew that okay if the world kind of sucks according to Deborah right now let's make it a world she wants to be in you know how can I contribute to make this world a better place and I think a lot of people that are on the mission of radical contribution have had similar feelings like it comes from our own pain that we want to contribute and want to make other people's lives better that's how we relate how we connect how we feel and why it's not something that comes from our mind or from our ego it's something that's intrinsic from the depth of our soul it's our soul mission on this planet so I never knew at the time what that life purpose was so I did all I knew I could do. I surrounded myself in Wayne Dyer and you know, all the all the early great teachers, and and I just and I and I practiced and I studied and I researched every single day. And and what I knew, and it was it was Louise Hay that said this, and I think one of her movies that she did for her um, her 80th birthday, she said, "Just do what's in front of you." Just do what's right in front of you. The universe is always giving you signs. Just do what's in front of you. So I adopted that and I did what was in front of me. And I think what makes me a little bit different to most people that I know is that I decided as a teenager, I literally ran away from home shortly after that. I hacked my own life. Um, I did end up becoming you know, a medical researcher. I kind of broke many, many rules out there in the world and have, have created a phenomenal life. I have you know, an eight-figure company. I've got multiple companies. I've turned my life around, but that was you know, a long road to get there and a long road to get there. But what I did was I was not going to quit on my soul mission. So I, I listened to my soul. I followed my intuition and I did one thing in front of the other. And now I'm still evolving. So I have this phenomenal program, you know, you know, over 100,000 women a year go through it. Um, I have this incredible community. It fills me in every way, but there's more. And part of me and part of me being a big picture thinker is I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm, my brain is always tapped into, oh, how can, we, how can we get more of that? How can we contribute? How can we make that concept and give that somewhere, somehow to the world? So everything that I do now within the different um, companies that I own is all around social enterprise. It's all around giving back. It's all around, um, you know, trans transforming communities. And um, that's, that's what I'm passionate about because it's not about me. It's about living a life of service. And so the, the entrepreneurial mind that I have, um, which, is, which is a gift, is just nothing more than accessing flow state, listening to, listening to the the universe and bringing bringing that consciousness through so I'm a facilitator I'm a connector I don't I don't you know I've got 70 staff I don't do the work I'm I'm the connector um, but it's it's deeply entrenched in spirituality how did the how did the whole business begin like you said you had 70 staff now right where did that begin? Like, when was your first real hire, you would say, and second and third? And like, how did that go? What was the idea there? Okay, well, there's a story here. So I left. So <laughs> um, in 2008, my ex-husband and I lost our property in the property crash. And this was my dream property. I'd bought an old church that I'd renovated. I literally had a golden retriever, a white picket fence, a Volvo station <laughs> wagon. <laughs> You know, I was that mom, Literally. and um, my last daughter actually was born in our church in a water birth, with surrounded by candlelights and roses. 
on All Saints Day, at sunrise on All Saints Day on the 1st of November. And um, I, I had this, this beautiful life, that was 2006. 2008, the property crash hit, and my husband and I were drowning in debt. And our mortgage had come off being on a fixed term and all of a sudden went up 50%. Um, and we couldn't survive. And we were fighting and you know, the relationship was falling apart. And so I said to him, look, go, to the, go, to the, go and get some free mar marriage counseling for us. So he went down to the court and he turned around when he was in the court that day and he saw the insolvency office door. And so we, long story short, explored going bank into bankruptcy. And um, we went and got all the right advice. I was advised to, to go bankrupt alongside him. He declared for bankruptcy at that time. We decided to let our house go to mortgagee sale so that that could be absorbed into the bankruptcy. Um, Luckily for me, I was super fit at the time, super clear. I've been doing a lot of lot of work, a lot of study around. Um, this is when Eckhart Tolle's book was really, really big. I was practicing mindfulness. I was doing yoga every day, and I'd been doing a lot of work on my ego, a lot of work on clearing it. So when this opportunity came to let everything go, it was like the biggest test of ego, the biggest life lesson. Are you really going to follow through on the spiritual stuff, Deb? Because you're, what are people going to say when that sign goes up? What about the shame? What are other people think, going to think of you? All these things, like all everything I'd studied about ego, in that moment, I had the opportunity to release. And it was just the state of letting go. And letting go is a two, let, let go are two key words in my life. I let go. And so at that time, um, we moved to the city, my husband went bankrupt, his debt was transferred to me, I was a quarter of a million dollars in debt, and then the Christchurch earthquakes happened. And there were, we went through five and a half thousand earthquakes and aftershocks over about a six month period. We were evacuated from two oh. homes, um, immediately from two earthquakes. And after the big September, uh, February 11 one happened, which was on my wedding anniversary actually, um, I decided to get my children out of Christchurch and move them to the North Island. And part of that was, I just knew that, you know, moving on from life, it was about letting old go and just, it's like shedding the layers. It's like shedding the layers. So at that point, I made a decision around that time to leave my marriage, to rebuild my life. I was a single mother with quarter of a million dollars in debt. Um, mm. I was living hand to mouth. I'd lost my cook school. I had a Whole Foods cook school and a weight loss practice. I walked out on that and left that behind. But I knew in my soul I, that was that I had nothing. I literally had nothing to my name, but I knew I had to do it. I was pulled by spirit to do that. So I listened. And then this whole thing, all my clients that loved what I did, like, what are you going to do? You're in the North Island. I'm going to film everything. I was told to film everything in meditation. It was very clear. So I set up a wonderful cook school and I, every bit of money I made from that, I filmed everything. I started working with my weight loss clients again and I just managed to survive. And then, then I got a blow. One of the blows, I was going through um, another relationship that was extremely tumultuous and very painful, um, dramatic growth. Um, so that was happening. Um, a whole lot of moving parts as well as raising three children and I then got a letter from IRD, which is IRS in America, the tax department, to say, we want to do a prelim audit on you. And um, because my ex-husband didn't want to pay the amount of child support, he thought that I was hiding money. 
So he basically put the authorities on to me to come and audit me. I went through, I did everything I could for this pre-audit. And then one day when I was kind of at this rock bottom, I had nothing left. I was exhausted. I'd been carrying, I couldn't pick up my phone. I was petrified of the phone. I still am working on my fear of phobia with phones because it's debt collectors, right? Hounding me for like at this stage, six years. And I'm, and I'm, you know, owing all this money. And this letter came through from the IRD saying, we're going to do a full audit into your business and into your personal life. And I remember getting this letter and I dropped to the floor in my kitchen and I screamed and I howled and I said, and I got really, really angry at God. I got really angry at the universe. And I said, and I had a very serious conversation at that moment. And I said, I have, there was a lot of profanity. I have done every effing thing you've even asked me to do. I have stepped up. I have overcome all of my childhood shit. I have overcome sexual abuse. I've overcome this, 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 this. And I got really angry and I said, that's enough. It stops here. It stops here. I've earned my wings. And in that moment that I said, I've earned my wings, this miracle happened and every single thing that I had learned and studied and every lesson in my life that I had transformed from pain into purpose, I'd done all the work, was like these little white silver dots and they're all like little particles in the room and I just remember seeing, seeing this, seeing like the quantum field and all these dots just opened and came all into one line, into a straight line in front of me. And I knew in that moment that I had changed timelines. I had changed my reality. So I woke up the next morning and I created my day and I did my mantras that I do. And I was doing my prayers, um, putting, putting my intentions into the quantum field. And I said, I need someone that believes in me. Give me someone that can take me, take my lessons, take my gifts that I've worked so hard to do to the world. Someone that believes in me. This is what I need. I'm not good in these areas of business. I'm not good in you know, money. I'm not good in building companies. I'm not good in social media. Just send me somebody. And I did that every morning. And within two weeks, I got an email from a guy in the UK. And he was looking for somebody like me. And a long story short, we decided to trial a program. We invested $50 into our first online launch. That, that month, we returned $47,000. And within a year, my life had completely transformed. Um, I was out of bankruptcy. I was in abundance. Um, and now we have an eight-figure company. And I've spent the last five years traveling the world, um, nine months of the year with my children. Um, I've just bought a beautiful property in Queenstown. But the level of contribution and everything has just been growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and more opportunities. So the big lesson is that when we do our work and we listen really deeply to what our soul is calling us to do and, and, and we shut out the, the noise of the world, the, of the matrix of how we are supposed to be, and we listen deeply and we become so rebel-like and bloody-minded that no one's gonna F with our mission on this planet, the universe will line up to support you. And, and it's like a ripple effect. So all we have to do is take the stress and the strain of the old program, that vibrational frequency of the fear, the, the despair, the pain, the victimization. If we can shift all of that out of our frequency, which becomes the meditation. I used to breathe, I could feel my life changing and every time a little bit of stress would come up, I'd 
I just clear it out of my body. <laughs> and I would go into the frequency of, it is already done. It is already done. Deborah, you've spent your entire life focusing on this incredible, this incredible contribution to the world. It's already done. God is working through you. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Step aside and just let, it, let go and let God. And just my job and every, every human's job is to overcome their shit to unpack their stuff and to release that on a very deep vibrational frequency within the body so that you can come into unconditional love. And when you oscillate in unconditional love, you are healing the planet and things line up for you so that you get more to go out and do your work with. And that's, that was my kitchen floor moment. That was the time I know I changed my complete reality. I've studied quantum mechanics for 30 years, I've you know, been a student of consciousness for a long time, and this was my opportunity to, hey, you really believe this? You really believe that we could be in this virtual reality and you're actually in a driver's seat somehow? And what does that mean? Oh, it means get out of the way and let go. Wow. So amazing, amazingly big picture there. So let me ask you a question that popped up which is, this is going to sound crazy, but, but I think it makes complete sense, and correct me if I'm wrong. Is there an aspect of doing, let's very micro, right? The ketogenic switch. Let's just say the program that you do with, you know, however many, like 100,000 women a year or some, some crazy number of, of people, right? Is there an aspect of going huge big picture that you just did saying like your soul has a purpose and to activate kind of that engine, that purpose engine inside of you, there's this body, right? There's the, the nutrition. So there's like the, the movement, maybe the, the nutrition, the mind, that egoic side of the mind and understanding it. And then like the spirit or that consciousness that you've been talking about or that relationship with some higher power, right? Or internal power, whatever you would like to call it. Is there an aspect of the ketogenic switch and the reason, part of the reason you teach this stuff and why it's kind of your, your focus is it's, it's almost like what I'm seeing it as like these little tiny wins that happen every day that build someone's self-love. And as that self-love builds, they can get to that point where when that letter comes in the mail and the shit has hit the fan so many times that you, again, were this person that did like the yoga and the good nutrition and you, you had all these things going for you. So when that moment happened, you were resilient enough to handle it. Because I get that the big picture, this idea that you had is more important than the little wins, right? But these little wins really add up to to provide that backdrop is that correct every single thing is energy it's everything i mean we we know through quantum mechanics that that everything is just a waveform and it's it's the consciousness of the soul that collapses the reality and materializes reality now what does that mean in terms of going on a weight loss program right so what it means is, and why I, why I became an expert in the ketogenic diet and have worked with the neurology department, you know, I've done a lot of medical research. We're doing one on cancer this year. Um, so I devote my time to medical research because I'm so, so passionate about when people understand the vibrational frequency of the cells in our body. And when you switch, when you create metabolic flexibility and your body is going into 
a metabolic state where you're utilizing ketones as fuel and the ketones hit the brain it is like it is like it's like Gandalf hitting its his stave and in the brain your level of consciousness is cleaned up that's why you know most religions have some sort of fasting protocol it's not because they're denying themselves of food and you know for the sake of God they're not you know God's not here to punish us it's actually about fasting is actually about creating ketones that are actually shifting our level of consciousness it raises our vibrational frequency it raises the vibrational frequency of the body so this is what's so magical about it so it's kind of a chicken and an egg you know so often clients will come in they'll get on the diet and they'll think that's great and they'll feel fantastic within four to five days they've got a whole new lease of life there is no feeling in the world like the feeling of ketones hitting the brain i just want people to experience that because if they got that their mental clarity this pollution of this carb, you know, we, I, the, our diet system is corrupt. These processed foods, these toxins that they're putting into your body is there to keep you asleep, to stop you from awakening to who you truly are. You clean up your diet, you clean up your consciousness, you have that effect in the brain. You are now vibrating at a whole different level of frequency. Now we can work with you. Now your spirit can talk to you. Now you're coming back to center. Now you're connected. So it's chicken and egg, you know, we, we, some people need to start with mindset that may give them that intrinsic motivation or inspiration to, to take on the, the protocol. But then if other people can just hammer it out for five days, get those ketones into the brain. My mission, going back to my story when I was 16, what I got very clearly in that moment, which wasn't even language then, I'm, I'm 48, so this is 32 years ago, the language wasn't even here. I didn't even know what consciousness was. But my download was, you are here to expand consciousness. You're here to expand consciousness. I'm part of it. I'm part of all of these wonderful people that are all coming into our labyrinth and networks. This rising of humanity, of really coming back to understanding who we intrinsically are. We're souls having a human experience. We're not humans having the odd occasional soulful experience. So I, I, I knew that that was the mission. So how do you do that? Well, so I say to people in my programs all the time, I got you in here with the diet, but you know, it's got nothing to do with that. It's got nothing to do with that. That was just the way that I could get, you know, 100,000 middle-aged women in, in the doors because women are mm -hmm. going to change the world. We need the mothers to, to step up and awaken to their true potential to know who they are on a soul level so that they can rise up to be the leaders of their homes and their communities to change the next generations. So that's my little piece of contribution in the world and everyone's got their own little piece going on and that was what I volunteered to come here and do. Wow. That's amazing. So this this could this list could grow dramatically and I'll, I'll get my notes out here so I'm ready for you to rapid fire all any crazy stuff you might say, but if if you had recommendations that I could put in the show notes because I feel like already like I'm like okay what are your recommendations for nutrition like if if it's like the infrastructure of like beginning to understand uh aside from doing the ketogenic switch because I guess especially if we're male like we've got to figure out another route there but from a nutrition perspective like what books or book maybe one if you could just recommend one where it's like what will kind of give me context to understanding what you're talking about and this metabolic flexibility if you had one recommendation that was not like a textbook 
but maybe like something that at least conceptually gets my mind in the right place if I'm a complete novice to it? Well, I really need to spit that book out this year, don't I? It's, you know, here's, yes, here's, another, inter- here's another interesting thing about me. I've never looked at other people's work. I've never looked at any other diet on the planet. I've never read another keto book. I've never, like, I, I, it, I've, I don't, I'm not a follower of anything. So to make a recommendation, the only one that really comes to mind, although there's a million out there, here's the thing about the ketogenic diet that people are doing wrong. They think it's this high-fat diet. It's not a high-fat diet. If you're, if you're stuffing your mouth with fat all day and not worrying about the micronutrients that you're putting in, it's, it's so much more than that. I mean, this is why my protocol has a whole healing aspect to it, probiotic foods fixing the microbiome, understanding the gut, um, understanding what types of fat to put in the body is, is critical for health to reduce inflammation. So it's a very complex scenario. The only person that I would really encourage people to probably delve into would be Dr. McCullough's work um, in terms of public books, um, because I know he's very, very well researched in this field. He's also a, a huge um, uh, advocate of the Western A. Price diet. So he and I have both kind of had very similar parallel um, kind of careers in terms of where we've got to with nutrition and what we think optimal nutrition is. So that would be my one recommendation. And then, so it'd be Dr. Mercola, but we could also look up Weston A. Price. Weston A. Price Foundation. So that is, you, that is the, the most important nutrition book on the planet was, um, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Oh, I'll come up with. The, I'll, we'll put the name in the title, but it's something like um, nutrition, yeah, I'll find it. nutrition and degenerative diseases by Weston A. Price, and it was written by a dentist in the nineteen thirties uh, who spent a decade of his life um, traveling around six different continents, studying um, the health and well-being of traditional diets. And that that book is the most thorough research um, piece ever done in human nutrition, and it cannot be. Um, repeated today because the Western diets infiltrated everywhere. So that is that is that has to be everyone has to read that book once in their life and have a copy of it, a hundred percent. Okay, awesome, thank you. And then what about uh, if we had to pick a book for like that far side of like, or it doesn't have to be a book, right? It could just be recommendations, like you're saying, of of looking up Dr. Mercola, but from the spirituality side or like you mentioned like quantum uh, you mentioned uh like just understanding our consciousness or our bigger purpose like if we were to have a book on purpose is there something that you'd recommend or a person we should follow something like that i can't I, I, that's a hard one for me um i was in a documentary film a number of years ago with bruce lipton and joe dispenza and I think that those two guys, Greg Braden, these guys are really, really kind of onto it in terms of, particularly, I'm really loving Bruce Lipton's current work, The, um, the Honeymoon Effect, um, Greg Braden, the, you know, the, the science is out now that we have antennas on every cell, like little receptor sites that are like little radio signals that our soul is like channeling into. So they've literally linked spirituality and science together in such an eloquent way. So I would definitely recommend, especially for people that are just setting out in this field, definitely absorb yourself in their work. That's easy. Um, I don't think anyone does it better than Eckhart Tolle and A New Earth. In fact, I have that book sitting here. I don't leave home without it. Wow. (laughs) 
Literally, literally. Um, so I read it every year. It's my Bible. Um, every time I feel unstuck, I pull it out and I read it. And he has a whole um, 10 week program with Oprah on, uh, on YouTube which you can read a chapter and, and watch, the, watch the techniques. I recommend it to everybody in my program. This is one way of just learning really how to come out of the egoic mind and understanding exactly what our ego is and how it trips us up. Um, so I'm booked to go to India next year and hang out with Eckhart Tolle actually, but I'm not sure whether that's gonna be happening right. Next year might be the next year after, but um, yeah, he's yeah. always been on my list of people. So I think in terms of understanding ego, but also I think the, the word of caution with ego is that it's very trendy in spirituality to disown our ego. Whereas I'm a big, so this is one layer, but we can't get too wrapped up in one ideology. We have to figure out what works for us. And one thing that I always, you know, as a word of caution to people is, the ego is not bad. It's how we utilize our ego. And sometimes we can use our ego to our advantage to, to do wonderful things in this world. So be gentle and soft and kind and playful and joyous about how we approach everything, including our spirituality and our own personal development. Has to come from fun. Beautiful. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. I, I wish we could do like 17 hours of this and just put it up because I, I have like, so I'm like, I just want to go back and do like a five hour block on each of these stories and topics and like pull out all these amazing ideas and tools and strategies you have. So then let me ask you if I've got two questions left. Do you, am I running short on time or are you? No, okay? you're fine. No, you're good. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So is there any, this is a question I ask everybody where I'm like, is there any big message or any really important thing that you're like very actively working on now or building into like the future of who you are, the purpose you have here, your business, anything that you feel like is really important to talk about? I always preface this with like, you know, we could walk out and like two hours from now, like I could get hit by a bus or, you know, something crazy could happen. Right. And I, and I move on or similar to you. Right. So if with that in mind, like, is there anything really important right now where you're like, I, you know, I really want to say something about this and I feel like it's important for people to hear it. What would that be? Oh gosh. The one thing, one thing I think, well, I guess I can, I can, if I reframe that question for me and go, if I was to die in the next moment, or if I could go back and communicate to my younger self, what would I say, right? That's, that's kind of where, where I'm taking your question. Um, I think that it's time that we, I think we've been so blessed with COVID and lockdown where we've really gone through this big reshuffle in remembering who we intrinsically are. And, and I am a big believer of really encouraging my audience to not waste a day. You know, we could, we could be very philosophical about time or there's no time and space and we can go out there and what, what is time and we can dismiss time and pass the buck on time. But I'm a, I'm a huge believer that don't sit down and waste time, waste yourself with distractions that are just there to, to, to keep you asleep. Go inside. The, the universe, everything you need is inside of you. And, and we're, we're told not to explore that. We're, we're, we're disconnected from that. I want to get to the end of my life and know that I left absolutely nothing behind. I left nothing behind. 
And that's what I'm constantly saying to my audience. You want to get to the end of your life knowing you gave it absolutely everything. We don't want to get to the end of our life and go, well, I really fucked that up or, you know, well, I guess I have to come back and do that again. You know, you want to get to the end and you want to leave. You want to leave a legacy. You want to leave something of contribution. You want to know that your life made a difference. Get out there. Get out there and, and wake up. Your soul is just dying to communicate with you. If we can shut out the noise and go inside and listen and follow that through as though nothing else matters, your life will transform. Wow. Are there any habits or practices you recommend for, like, let's say I'm in that moment where I'm like, ah, I just, there's nothing I want to do. Like what, what habits or practices would you recommend? Like we incorporate <laughs> I'm going to say something you're not going to expect. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in having fun and play and joy. We can't be serious. Like, we can, we can take life seriously. You know, I'm saying don't waste a day. Make sure that you're doing the work. But we have to remember the balance. You know, everything in this universe, you know, when we came down through the fifth dimension, we split off into duality, right? So we're on the seventh, we're in the seventh Hertzian plane here, but the fifth dimension was all about duality. When we ascended down through levels of consciousness, we, we split off into male, female, feminine, masculine, positive, negative, light, dark, up, down, like all the duality happened in that fifth dimension. And now we're going through this evolution and consciousness where we're kind of returning to this vibrational frequency of the fifth dimension, which is really interesting when you talk to people that are on this path. Um, but we have to remember that, that, where I see people get stuck and get tripped up on is that they, they think that everything has to be positive all the time and that all we have to be super serious all the time or, or it's these, these extremist kind of viewpoints um, and, and the problem with that is that there is always an equal and opposite to every single thing in the known universe. So for more positive thinking you have over here you're suppressing the negativity that's actually festering, which is why people oscillate, right? Up, down, high, low, or in, out, on, off, you know, all these things. We need to understand that life is actually balance. So it's not about creating the extremes, it's creating the balance. So for me, I'm going off to play with friends tonight um, in Hermosa Beach, and we'll be drinking champagne on the deck and cocktails watching sunset. And that's life, that's balance, that's fun, that's play. We'll dance to music, we'll have a lot of fun. So it's not about the daily practices all the time. It's, it's creating habits and creating boundaries around habits. I have very clear boundaries. I don't eat processed food. I don't put food coloring in my body. I don't eat McDonald's. I don't eat, you know, there's certain things. If, if I, would I, if I had to, sure, I'll pray, I'll bless, I'll, you know, do my alchemy over it and I'll put something in my body if I have to. But you have to, if you have clear boundaries about what you will and will not do, right? That's fine, park them, but joy fun, play, letting go, surrender, not taking life too seriously. We're, we're here as souls to create. We're here to make known the unknown, to create and to build things and to create. But we're here to have fun. It only happens. Everything happens with a light heart. Keep everything light. Oh, my God. Okay, so, Deborah, when everybody that's watching this or listening to this like falls in love with you and wants to learn more and wants to follow everything that you do and uh, buy the book that you're going to write so I don't have to have these recommendations in the description, right? 
um, the women that want to do your program, how do they find you? Where do they go? Um, how do they learn more about everything? I think the, the central resource, because there's so many moving parts around me, is to go to my, my personal website, which is deborahmurtagh.com, D-E-B-O-R-A-H-M-U-R-T-A-G-H.com. And everything's kind of centralized there. Um, yeah. Awesome. Oh, and and, and actually, I, actually, Facebook is a great way of following me. Um, I have a Deborah Murtagh public page as well, so you can search for me and um, see my public page there. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Um, it's just been awesome and so many inspired moments. And I, I have infinitely more questions now than I had when I came in, which is funny because I only even got like a quarter way through my notes, but I just have so many questions. and. I, you know, even on your purse right now, I'm like, what's this bracelet on your left arm? But we don't have to get into that right now. But uh, this one? On, on the other side, even. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's awesome. But um, it's called Orally. Um, you, I actually bought them on Instagram for my daughters and I fell in love with them so much. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah.